Hi everybody and welcome back to another episode of Through Nick and Thin. The podcast where we watch every Nicolas Cage movie in chronological order so that you don't have to. I'm your host, my name is Steve. Joining me as always is my lovely co-host, Hannah. Hannah, how are you doing this week? I don't know why it keeps catching me off guard. Our new title. <laughs> yeah, I like the title. I like We've it a lot. some compliments on it's it. It's just every time you say it, I'm, ex- I, I'm like, oh, right, yeah. We, we did almost 75 episodes mm, under a true. different title, but it was time for that title to go. So it is time <laughs> a new for the chapter new chapter of the podcast here. You're absolutely right. So this week we watched a movie called Dog Eat Dog. Not dog eat dog, dog. eat dog. Every not time we say dog. it, it sounds like doggy dog. <laughs> <laughs> and not to be confused with the late nineties, early two thousands game show, uh, which was a lot of fun. You ever watch that game I show? Did it, was not, good. No. it was good. What was the concept? It was like a mix of trivia and physical challenges and things like that. What network was it on? I think Game Show Network. <laughs> Who was the host? <sighs> she used to be <laughs> I don't care. she used to be married to Bruce Willis. <laughs> What's her name? Brooke something. Shields? No. Burns? Brooke Burns? Brooke Burns. Brooke Burns. Oh, isn't she the host of... The Chase. The Chase. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know (laughs) what we're referring to now. She is a professional game show host and American model. I just Googled her. (laughs) So anyway. An American model. Not to be confused with... The American model hosted game show. This movie stars Nicolas Cage. He's back with his old buddy, Willem Dafoe, uh, from Wild at Heart. Mm -hmm. They were in together. Mm -hmm. And they play some lifelong criminals who, you can probably guess, they have one more job to, uh, let's let's do one more job together. It's basically like last week. (laughs) Uh, Sort of. I mean, they were cops last week. Mm -hmm. This week, they are actual criminals. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, it's weird, this movie. It's really, really stylized. Career criminals, you mean? Career criminals. That was the phrase I was looking for. They are career criminals. And this movie's really weird and stylized. And we'll get into some of those scenes later on, particularly, of course, the Nick Cage scenes. And I think I have some insight as to why it is that way. Ooh, that would be swell. So let's start with that. Yeah, let's start with that. Or at least start with some of the basics. You know, what are the ratings and rankings? What If you have any box office numbers. I have all of that. Wonderful. I do the work so that you don't have to. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of things so that you don't have to. Dog Eat Dog, mm. 2016. 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, 4.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Yeah, I think IMDb, compared to other movies we've seen, that's a little low, low. but 50%, I think, is right on par for this movie. Yeah, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. So a 50 makes sense. Yep, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Right in the middle. Mm -hmm. Uh, Budget was $2 Box office was $219,000. That's bad. That's rough. Really awful. $2 million for this movie? I guess there were a lot of like guns and cop cars and costumes and sets big and names big names of course with nick and willem dafoe mm-hmm. this movie was shot in all of 25 days that seems like a quick turnaround incredibly um this movie was directed by paul schrader do you okay. recall who that is i don't remember so paul schrader um 
was also the director of two other Nick Cage movies. Can I guess one? Yeah. Snake Eyes? No. Oh, man. this the They had similar feels in the terms of the way they were directed, but go These, ahead. The other two movies have nothing to do with this. Really? Yeah. Bringing Out the Dead Ugh, and I, Dying of the Light. I thought Bringing Out the Dead was a Sor- Scorsese movie, or did he produce it? He produced it and oh. uh, Paul Schrader directed. Oh, and Dying of the Light. Do you remember what happened in Dying of the Light? Um, the controversy surrounding it. Oh, that was the one with This that. was the movie where they a new editing yes. or production company came in, stole it from them at the end, re-edited it, and then made them sign a non-disparagement clause. They, meaning Nick Cage, all the other actors in the movie, and Paul Schrader, the director. Whoa. So Paul Schrader sees this as he and Nick's opportunity to write a wrong that happened to them. Huh. Um, I read a pretty interesting article with Paul Schrader. Oh, he also directed, uh, he wrote Taxi Driver and directed American Gigolo. Oh, okay. Not Deuce Bigelow. No? <laughs> Not Deuce Bigelow, American Gigolo? Is that the same thing? It's, I, I am almost 100% certain it's not. Let me double check. <laughs> yeah. It is not the same thing. Okay. <laughs> it's a 1980 crime drama movie, and Deuce Bigelow is <laughs> very much not that. stars Rob Schneider. Yeah, so not Deuce Bigelow. No. <laughs> um, so this movie, Dog Eat Dog, is based off of a novel by a writer named Edward Bunker. Okay. And he wrote another novel called Straight Time that was um, adapted into a film. So Paul Schrader said, I didn't know about Edward Bunker's writing. I knew who he was because of Straight straight time but i hadn't read any of his books this came through the back door which was that nick and i had a bad situation and we were looking to make that situation right by working together again we had a film that was taken away from us and so i started looking i read the script as a favor to somebody and i thought hey maybe this is something that nick and i can do together maybe this is our redemption Hmm. yeah well if that's the case i'm surprised that he didn't give Nicolas Cage any role Nick wanted. And I'm surprised that Nick wouldn't have wanted to play the Willem Dafoe role. Well, you took the words right out of my oh, mouth. Oh, man, go ahead. What do you got? Because something that Nick said, well, this is the next sentence in it. Oh, wow, look at me. <laughs> um, I sent it to Nick and he said, yeah, I want to do it, but I don't want to do the mad dog role, which was the lead role. I want to do the straight role. Because, you know, he's in this whole like... He, I don't need yeah. to be what people think I'm going to be. Like I can, I'm an actor. You know, yeah. I have the chops to do whatever. I'm not just this crazy guy. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we, we have spoken in in several of our past in, in in most recent podcasts about one how crazy he is, but two, a lot of interviewers are asking him like, how does it feel to be a meme? And I'm guessing he doesn't really like that at this point in his he life. He just doesn't care. Like he wants to, I mean, I think, you know, what I think a couple, either last movie or two movies ago, I, mm-hmm. I read an interview with him where, you know, he said, you know, I understand that people think that I'm a farce, but if you watch my work, you can tell that I'm much more than that. And I think it's cool that, you know, I've become a meme that, you know, all these new generations are discovering me. Mm-hmm. However, you know, if you look at my old work, you can tell that I'm actually a real actor. I have an Academy Award, too. <laughs> but yeah. he's also saying, you know, at the beginning of my career, I was trying to, you know, essentially impersonate what mm-hmm. other actors have done. And now I've come up with my own acting style. So that's something to 
considering he's like, you know, people may love me, people may hate me, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm Nick Cage and <laughs> you can't take that away from me. You sure can't. <laughs> that's, that's a great perspective, Han. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, that's, I have no, I have nothing to say to that. That's okay. Okay, great. So more from that interview, Paul Schrader also said that the bad news was that they didn't have any money. Yeah. $2 million. Yeah, that's a pretty low budget. Quite low. Good news was that, (laughs) and this is what he said, I have the final cut and I can do whatever the fuck I want with it. Okay, well, he sure did if you watch this movie. Because in Dying of the Light, he did not have the final cut and he could not do whatever the fuck he wanted to do with it. Interesting thing and you know at the beginning when you said that this is kind of like avant-garde and i didn't use that word but yeah no that's a good way of putting it okay Mm -hmm. and when you when you immediately jump to oh this could be uh, snake eyes that makes sense Mm -hmm. because snake eyes also had some like avant-garde-esque filming style really interesting cinematography yeah paul schrader's crew was made up of all recent film student graduates oh so that's how he one got them for cheap and two got people doing crazy shit because they're all trying to cut their teeth in the industry exactly and yeah i don't know i mean you think about people that had probably you know in 2016 just graduated college they're like they grew up on iMovie these people yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so you know when i say crazy shit i should elaborate about the style of this movie it's it's really colorful we've talked in the past about how a lot of movies especially in this era of movie making are all just orange and teal to highlight people's skin tones and then light up the background there are so many scenes that have just incredible lighting there are so many scenes that have things that interject on the screen like like things that kind of flash up on the screen Mm -hmm. it's hard to hard to explain it's almost like cartoony in a way a little like wild at heart would you say I don't think that happened in Wild at Heart, did it? They had there was weird, weird color. I mean, there the was imagery, weird imagery. Well, the imagery was all um, based on like the Wizard of Oz. I know, but so that was the imagery. <laughs> but it wasn't like they flashed like a cartoon of the Wicked Witch of the West no, that's on true. the screen, that's like true. as someone was talking. And that's Ghost the sort Rider of thing too. That they did that kind of thing. <laughs> Did they? Yeah. I don't think that they did for that they one did, either. They... Oh my! Well, that was okay. So that was different as well because that was an artistic interpretation of someone telling a story. That's true. Whereas this, this was just the way to tell the story. Yeah, this was just something to highlight the story. So, for example, in the first scene, Willem Dafoe is watching TV and he's doing drugs. And so because he's doing drugs and his mind is all crazy, like the screen slowly gets filled up with like almost a Brady Bunch style, like six or nine different TV screens Mm -hmm. overlay on top of his face with different imagery from what's on the TV. To reflect the fact that he is high. Exactly. Yeah. So there's weird shit like that that happens in this movie is what I'm saying. Whereas Ghost Rider 2 and Wild at Heart, it's weird shit, but a different kind of weird shit. Yeah, but can't you picture kids in their early 20s oh, making this weird shit? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So that was the crew. That's how they were able to do it for pretty cheap. That's um, uh, And then Paul Schrader really pushed them because apparently he usually makes his films in 46 days and then they were able to do it in 23 days, Whoa. so like half the time. 25 days, whatever it was. Sure. Uh, this movie was shot mostly in Cleveland. That's where it takes place. Hmm. All right, we'll, we'll talk about Willem Dafoe a little bit. Great. So Nick and Willem, as Steve mentioned, starred together in Wild at Heart mm-hmm. from 1990, long time ago. Yeah, he was um, great in that, Willem Dafoe was. He was so good. He's good at everything. That's true. In 2000, Nick co-produced a movie, his, well, his, uh, his 
production company. Saturn Films. Saturn Films. Uh-huh. Co-produced a movie called Shadow of the Vampire, which I'm sure I mentioned in two, when we were in the year 2000. We probably did. I that don't recall. That starred Willem Dafoe. Oh, okay. So those are the two instances that Nick and Willem have worked together. Hmm. Nick really likes Willem, um, you know, appreciates his, his acting, is, you know, inspired by him, you could even say. Mm-hmm. Nick paid Willem $100,000 of his own salary for this movie to convince wow. him to be in it. Wow. That's weird. I, they didn't have enough money to yeah. to pay everybody. Yeah, that's that's I I don't know. I feel like it just it sometimes strikes me how much acting is a job, right? Where it's like, yeah, I don't really want to take the time to do this, and it's like, well, what if I gave you more money? And it's like, well, okay. What I really guess strikes I will. me is it would have only if if well if any of those actors had to be there for all twenty three days of filming it's still only 23 days of their life yeah it's, it's less, less than, than, a, than month. a month yeah it's like oh, i gotta spend 20 days in cleveland real right. quick yeah like that's it's not really t- not a big deal Look, like cleveland- i've probably spent 20 <laughs> days in cleveland on a business trip right <laughs> <laughs> um speaking of other sorry i know you were gonna shit on cleveland but i figured i was gonna make a joke at the time but i don't even remember what it is now i've spent a few, yeah i spent a few days in cleveland there's the it, Cleveland can shit on itself. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was there in the time of LeBron, so, so I, was I. I was able to catch a game. Yeah, I went to yeah. the to the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, I went to a brewery. Yeah. Went to a few good restaurants, and you spend five Cleveland's days and fine. it's good. Yeah. yeah, it's a good small town. It's the mistake by the lake, but it's still okay. That's what they all call it. But you know <laughs> what? I'm here for you, Cleveland. You're all right in my book, I guess. <laughs> Steve's a huge fan. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I was there five. Five days, ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Um, speaking of other actors that needed convincing, I guess, to be in this movie, Paul Schrader approached Michael Douglas, Quentin Tarantino, Martin Scorsese, Nick Nolte, Christopher Walken, and Jeff Goldblum to all play the mob boss. Um, Greco or Greco the Greek? The Greek yeah. yeah. And they all turned it down. And do you know who ended up playing him? No, I don't know who he is. Paul Schrader. That's Paul Schrader? <laughs> That's Paul Schrader. You cannot understand a word that he says. No. It's his acting debut. Wow. Um, he was like, well, I may as well. They all turned it down. And he was like, well, I've asked literally everyone in Hollywood and we don't have any money left. That's hilarious. So That's great. I'm just going to play him. And and Steve and I, like the first scene that, that he was in, we looked at each other. We were like, do you know do you know what he's saying? He was like, no. We we're like, all right, we'll just turn on the subtitles. <laughs> yeah, we put the subtitles on for the rest of the movie in case he ever came back. I, I have a feeling that was an acting choice. I have a feeling that's not his actual voice. And then that's, he was putting on a bit of an accent that we mm-hmm. weren't really able to understand. Possibly. Maybe. I don't know. I've never the met Greek him. Greek <laughs> accent? Yeah. Never met the guy? No. And lastly, um, related to Willem Dafoe, Willem Dafoe played... Uh, the Green Goblin in yes. the original Spider-Man trilogy, mm-hmm. or not trilogy? I guess he was yeah. only was he oh, in all well, three? He... Oh, actually, good question. He came back in a flashback in the third one, but I don't mm-hmm. know if he was in the second one or not. I'm struggling to remember now. In the Tobey Maguire, yes, uh, Spider-Man. Apparently, Nick was considered for the Green Goblin role. Really? And I hadn't found that until this movie oh i didn't know that either that yeah. would be interesting i don't think he would have been good no <laughs> <laughs> i do i think i've said it on this podcast before for some reason or another but 
it frustrates me, and I'm not the first person to say this, but it frustrates me that they got the most goblin-looking person in ho- in Hollywood in Willem Dafoe to play the Green Goblin and then put a motorcycle helmet on him in all of those movies. It's so yeah, frustrating. He, his face is very goblin-like. Oh, my God. And it's so evident in this movie, too. He's got those, like, crazy cheekbones and those wrinkles on Wait, his face. Wait, what did I say to you when we first saw him? I said uh, Willem Dafoe's, the, I guess, the height of Willem, or the... The curvature, like whatever, just the strength mm. of Willem Dafoe's cheekbones <laughs> makes up for the lack of Nicolas Cage's jawline. <laughs> yeah, those strong cheekbones make up for the weak jawline. The weak. Oh my God. That's funny. Cool. Well, you're putting your notes away there. It seems like yeah, you may Yeah, that's all be... I have. Okay. We have a few more movies from 2016, mm-hmm. so I'm worried I'm not going to have any material to fill for the next couple weeks, so I'll save some of the 2016 facts. I mean, last week we talked about his divorce, and that's mm. probably the biggest thing that happened to him in 2016, Fair enough. since that was his longest marriage of 12 years, and he has a kid, mm-hmm. but not much else happening in his life other than making these movies since he was in so many. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like we're getting out of the dark cages? I do not. Okay. (laughs) I do not feel that way. All right. Fantastic. Well, let's go through this piece of shit movie. It's really not that bad. It's Like I said, it's at least interesting to watch. It's not particularly good, but it's not particularly bad. It's right at that 50% mark. The reason I think that we're not getting out of the dark ages is because Nick had to pay someone $100,000 of his own salary to be in this movie. And that feels really desperate to me. Yeah. But also, I'm surprised that he didn't hold on to his own money and just be like, let's get someone else. Let's get someone way cheaper. Because there's sort of three leads in this movie and the third guy's a no-name. Why not get two no-names and make this movie more of a Nicolas Cage movie? I don't, I, because he, he's in a dark period of his yeah, life. I guess. I guess he doesn't <laughs> he know what to do with his money. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He needs his old friends. He needs to yeah. do another movie with like Judge Reinhold Aww. and like Sean Penn. <laughs> so, anyhow. Justin Bartha. <laughs> Justin Bartha. He plays Riley in. Oh my God. I was like, why is that name so familiar? Diane Kruger. Yeah. Diane Kruger. His old pals, <laughs> whoever played Mephistopheles and the, oh wait, those were two different actors <laughs> in the Ghost Rider movies. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're going to go through this movie, Nick Cage movie, Nick Cage movie, Nick Cage scene by Nick Cage scene as we do. The movie actually starts out on Willem Dafoe. We mentioned that scene that he's doing a whole bunch of drugs and he kills his girlfriend and her daughter, which is like a really Very gruesome bloody. way to start the movie. Yes. Yeah. Then it flashes back or flashes forward to a uh, strip club where Nick Cage, Willem Dafoe, and this third guy named Diesel, who nobody knows. He looks sort of like a comedian, but it's not him. I didn't even look to see who he was or what else he's been in. Did you? No, I can look it up now. He could be a famous actor and we're just ignorant. That's true. (laughs) Christopher Matthew Cook. I'm sure everyone's like, oh my God, you don't know Chris Cook? From SWAT? The Walking um, Dead. I don't remember him in The Walking Dead. He was in two episodes <laughs> in 2014, which was when we were watching it. This um, guy's a nobody. <laughs> yeah, no. If you've ever seen 
the drone, he played Richie. Oh my god, Richie from the drone? Oh my god, he's so transformed in that role. No, nobody knows who this fucking guy is. Chris Aww. Cook. His name Chris, is. Chris, if you're listening, we love you. He's, <laughs> and we would love to have you on. <laughs> but no, nobody knows who this guy is. But that's what Aww. I'm saying. Like, if you can't get Willem Dafoe, like, why are you paying him with your own money that you clearly need? And just get a because Chris Cook wasn't bad in this movie. He was good. So get somebody like Chris Cook to play the third guy. Yeah, Chris. We're we're nicknaming him. I like you as much. I like Chris as much as I like Cleveland. <laughs> it's great for a few days. <laughs> it's fine. It's good. It's nothing bad. Nothing wrong with it. Work an actor. So anyway, they're at a strip club. These three and they're three bros. And they apparently we find out through tons of exposition and quick cutaways like Family Guy style almost <laughs> where we find out that Nick Cage feels as though he was framed for drug possession. He tried to escape and ended up doing five to 15 years in prison where he met these two guys. So they're celebrating Nick Cage's release from prison at the strip club buying him dancing. As, as you do. As you do. So there's a great cutaway scene here, like one of those fla- Family Guy flash flashovers or what have you, like these young kids on iMovie love to do, <laughs> where Nick Cage leans over to Willem Dafoe and says, hey, thanks for lending me these clothes. I think I look really good. Or that, that's what they all say. And it quick cuts to Nick Cage at like a suit store or like standing in front of the mirror and they play this like sexy jazz music <laughs> as he smolders looking into the camera. Great scene. Great little moment there. It's like two seconds long at most it's fantastic yeah i mean when i got out of prison for the first time i also went and got a nice snazzy suit and just like really felt myself yeah absolutely yeah why wouldn't you you know that was the first time you got out of prison my first time the second time i didn't yeah i i didn't want to wear a suit anymore you know i wanted to wear sure I don't even know where I'm going with this. I don't know. I was I was just waiting for you. <laughs> We're we are notorious for a po- a couple of podcast hosts. We are pretty bad at improv. <laughs> <laughs> We're not real podcast hosts. Well, you know we've got fans. Hey guys. Anywho, I, I get imposter syndrome every week. To be honest with you, what that like? You can't believe how successful you are as a podcaster. <laughs> just that, like I, I don't know how to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's be honest with ourselves. The, the The pandemic hasn't really helped anybody's ability Social to speak. Skills. Yeah, exactly. So there is a quick moment here where we get possibly our first scream of the movie in the strip club where Nick Cage starts yelling at, there's a guy who like might be a rapper or something. And he's like, I don't understand the, the tight jeans that people are wearing. So it's something like, you know, what's funny in there. What you know that's out here and what you don't know, like Facebook? Come on. We were fucking Facebook friends before there was a Facebook. But the red fucking jeans that hug the element's leg, I had no clue. What? I'm fucking We're in this together. We go through that door together and we come out together. And anything other than that, you're a piece of shit. So his boys pull him aside and they're like, you, you just got out. You can't get in fights with people. Whole movie, everyone hates on rap music. Yeah, they really hate rap music. They're like, "There's things change when you go in the clink and when you come out. You know, I didn't know what Facebook was, but I didn't need it. Rap music? What is that shit, man? <laughs> I don't like rap music anymore. It's different. It's not music. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. 
So Nick Cage goes to meet his boss, the director, the Greek man, Schrader, Paul Schrader, Paul Schrader <laughs> for a job for him and his buddies. Now that he's out of prison, he needs a job. So the job is to steal money from a rapper for some long reason that we couldn't follow because we didn't understand what he was saying. I was going to say, <laughs> and we would not have known that had we not put on the subtitles. So Nick Cage and his buddies get a couple of fake cop uniforms. Oh, you didn't say the best part. Why? What's the best part? It's not just to steal money. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad, my bad. It's later in the movie. That's another thing, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so they get some fake cop uniforms. They put, like, in white duct tape the word police on their car, which it's is... Super convincing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from far away, it looks okay, but hot up close, which they show, and it's kind of funny. <laughs> so they stake out this, this rapper who they're stealing money from. They pull him over. There are, are loads of screams in here. I'll probably just insert one. Now listen, you can always get more coke and more money, but you've only got one life. So don't think you can fake me out on this because I will kill you. Let's get this done. And they they drag this rapper to his stash house, I think they call it, where he's stashing some money that this rapper owes another guy, and that's who that's what Nick and his crew are doing. There is a Nick at this point in the movie has called a few people bro. Which, multiple times yeah so he does yell at the rapper to get up get up bro uh ultimately they steal a bunch of few bricks of cocaine yeah ultimately they steal the drugs they don't find any money so they have to sell the drugs to get the money that is owed mm-hmm. to the boss and there's a great line when nick cage bursts back into the hotel room <laughs> with the three guys the scene is fun. he says so i so i asked for ten thousand we said a nine i spent three hundred some days for us which is a great line then it becomes like that first scene with willem dafoe there's quick cuts the everything's cut like there's a blue filter a red filter everything looks grainy like like i said it's like iMovie. you know these quick cuts of this of this scene Mm -hmm. um they're just doing a bunch of drugs we see all three of these guys find a different prostitute of some kind to take back to their different hotel rooms with them nick cage is talking to his prostitute about humphrey Bo- about how he looks like humphrey bogart and he wants to take he her wants to, to paris go to nice, yeah and he bought a black tourmaline diamond or whatever something like that he bought her some expensive diamond or some shit. his ex oh yeah so the three guys meet back in the lobby <laughs> Where Nick Cage is very hungover, so he's wearing sunglasses indoors. Again, another great costume choice. (laughs) And they're talking about how they can't keep doing these small jobs because they got, you know, they might have only made $1,000 between the three of them, you know, for, for for this pretty intense job. So Nick Cage says the following. I'll get us a real good gig. I'll get us such a good gig. Take a tits off. Let me let me do let, let me do this one myself actually. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. I'll get us a real good gig. It'll take your tits off. And I emphasize tits there, and you can't see. And Hannah's laughing because I did what Nick Cage did, which is almost like he's miming wiping his face. He that's like, where your tits are. Actually. That's where the tits are. He of the tits of the eyes are the tits of the face. <laughs> eyes, eyes are the tits of the face because he like wipes his face almost, but he doesn't touch his face. He just does this crazy hand motion when is he says that. Is that a phrase that you've ever heard? Never take in my your entire tits life. Off? No, no. I'll get us a real good gig. It'll take your tits off. That's the line. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it goes back to Paul Schrodinger. Schrader. Schrader. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
where there's this other guy who says, hey, I got this guy who owes me $4 million, so I'm going to need someone to kidnap his kid, hold him for ransom. His baby. His baby. It's just a baby. Baby's not going to remember anything. I would never do this if it were like a kid who would have, you know, psychological issues or something. Mm -hmm. So I need you to steal this kid, but... It's very a la... Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> but while all of this is happening, Nick Cage is telling these really terrible stories, like just boring stories about how he looks like Humphrey Bogart, and he's like doing the voice, the Humphrey Bogart voice, and he's like fake laughing at himself. Guys, remember, like this is the straight character that he wanted to play. He could have played Willem Dafoe's character, who's a fucking nut job. Willem Dafoe. Like we haven't gotten insane. too much into that because this is a Nick Cage podcast. We go Nick Cage scene mm-hmm. by Nick Cage scene. Mm-hmm. But if this were a Willem Dafoe podcast, this probably would have been one of his best oh, performances but- because he's a he's a psychopath. Absolutely. I feel like I feel like a Willem Dafoe podcast would just crush that would be wild. It would just crush you because he plays a psycho in, in every everything. Movie. Yeah, that would not be, that would be very damaging to your psyche. Yeah, you'd have to go from like the Boondock Saints to like Wild at Heart to Spider-Man to this. To yeah, like I would the need Lighthouse therapy. that just came out, which is such a weird, moody film. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, Nick Cage runs over to the bar, the strip club, and he tells his boys, hey, we got to do this. I know, I know it feels weird to, to, kidnap a baby but we got to do this because the money is so good they're going to be paid seven hundred fifty thousand dollars if this goes well and they all agree and in this scene they also say none of us are going to get arrested none of us are going to go down if one of us goes down we all go down together you know we're all going to basically kill ourselves if somebody dies because like this is it and i think the line is wait i have it here we got to be samurais about this got to be samurais then the scene ends and there's a solid five seconds of them just standing there in silence. Think about that. One, two, three, four, five. Like, that's a long time in a movie. What What are you doing, Paul Schrader? I blame Timmy, the recent Fordham University grad who <laughs> edited that scene. <laughs> yeah, he probably got some cheap-ass editor. You're probably right. <laughs> So they probably got the final cut and they were watching it and they were like, shit, Timmy. Uh, <laughs> damn it, Timmy. We can't edit it now. It was so weird this moment. It's hard to capture how weird it was. Yeah, just, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm very off today. I've, I've not been feeling great. <laughs> we didn't mention that at the beginning of this. No, we didn't. I asked you how you were doing. Yeah. I, I, I breezed right past <laughs> Tried to power through. I'm but not no. doing well. No. <laughs> not, it's not COVID related. Don't worry. Oh, no. I don't <laughs> yeah, have yeah, COVID. Yeah. No, no, no. So the boys head over to the house to kidnap this baby. Uh, they they sneak into the nursery. There's, you know, um, the, the nanny is sleeping there. They grab the kid. And then who comes in? But apparently, we find out much later, but apparently it is the dad. It is the guy who's going to pay the ransom. Mm. They take one look at this guy and Willem Dafoe blows his head off in like a really graphic scene. This guy's head gets blown off. They have to kidnap the nanny now. and It explodes in... Okay, well, it... skip through this if you haven't seen the boys or you want to see the boys. Oh, well... But it reminded me a lot of... 
how people explode in the boys. Yeah. That's not really a spoiler. People well, explode in the boys a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's a great scene in the, in first, the first episode. episode. That, of, it reminded me of that. Of season two. But yeah, there's a great scene in the first episode of season two where, yeah, someone's head explodes. So oh, it's yeah. not like giving away too much. But there's a full body that explodes in the first episode of season one. Oh, there is. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it is very reminiscent of the boys. So... Nick Cage says to Willem Dafoe and this other guy, Diesel, Chris Cook, says, <laughs> Your boy. I, I'm my boy, my, the Cleveland of actors. <laughs> he, says, he says, you guys go take care of the body. I'm going to wait here because we're expecting the mom to come home. And at this point, they also don't know who they just killed because they look at the ID of this guy and it says Jose Velasquez. And <laughs> it's the, the dad's name is, is like something else. I forget. It's like barry or something it's really it's really normal brennan i think is what it was so it's not brennan so nick cage waits for the mom the mom comes in and the mom is obviously distraught that somebody's holding a gun to her head and she's screaming and she's worried and nick cage i think delivers his best scream in the movie Mm. shut up shut the fuck up man what don't you understand man yeah yeah, man (laughs) bro and she's and she's running around like she's crazy and he just says lady listen i don't have to excuse me i'm sorry yeah we need the voice to capture <laughs> yeah. the full mood lady listen i don't have time for this and he <laughs> he shoots her and then that's that so nick cage then takes the nanny to you know keep her occupied or something you know like 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 i said and, they the, had baby, to, and, the, and the baby we never saw the baby again. yeah i don't know what happens to that i baby. assume with the nanny i assume so too so anyhow he is they he's like telling lock the, her up and yeah he's telling the nanny like you know all right we're gonna call you we'll give you the the combination to to the, the door so that you can get out after it's safe and he goes okay bye and like kisses her on the mouth <laughs> yeah he does <laughs> super odd that was a really weird choice for his character for sure yeah yeah like, that would be something that i would see mad dog doing right mad dog being willem being defoe's willem character, defoe's character yeah. but not nick the straight man's character right so straight not like sexually but yeah, like well, straight as in his character type yeah his exactly exactly <laughs> so yeah so nick cage is like all right i gotta go call the boss you guys get rid of the body you continue to get rid of the body so there's a lot of scenes between chris cook and willem defoe and Willem Dafoe is just annoying the shit out of Chris Cook. He's just like, do you think I'm a good person? Do you think I'm a bad person? I want you it's to like help I me be right a better person. Wrongs, yeah. Help me be a better person. He's just annoying the shit out yeah. of him. And there's a lot of scenes and it builds up over a while to the point where Diesel or Chris Cook kills Mad Dog. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Me and Chris. We're buddies. <laughs> Christopher Michael Cook. Christopher Michael Cook. CMC. That's what we called him in high school. <laughs> in so, Cleveland. When you went to high school in Cleveland. Yeah, exactly. So Nick Cage calls the boss, calls the director, and says, like, hey, listen, we had a few mishaps, of course. And the director says, hey, that was actually the guy, so now we don't know what to do. And Nick Cage meets back up with Diesel, hearing that Mad Dog dies. It flashes back to that hotel room scene from before. And they're just squirting. when they made when he made the ten thousand nine thousand dollars off yeah. the ten thousand dollars. Yeah. And they're having like a pillow fight, essentially, and but, squirting mustard and ketchup on yes, each other. Yes. It's very Zoolander. It's very dumb and dumber. <laughs> it's just this amazingly weird little moment. They're and like, again, we're buddies. It only lasts for like five to ten seconds. 
like probably just as long as that awkward silence, but enough that we remember. Yeah, like <laughs> you said, moment. it's it was like a Family Guy cutaway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's in the car with Diesel, and Diesel's like, "Hey, can you stop at this grocery store? I need to get a few things." And it, of course, the cops show up because they get one look at this guy who just dumped a bloody body and shot some other dude. <laughs> I'm sure he smells. <laughs> he smells like dead body. So the cops get called. Nick Cage is out waiting in the car. Cop comes over. is like, hey, can I see your license? It's a lady cop who's like kind of, you know, short and like average build, I guess. And he just wham. Nick. Wha- Nick wails her in the face, just punches her square in the jaw in a really slow motion cut of this scene it was, it was kind I've of shocking i've done that before on iMovie where you like slow down oh the... i thought you were gonna say you've punched a cop i've punched well that's how i went to jail <laughs> the first time yeah that adds up <laughs> diesel comes out of the grocery store sees what's going on shoots one shoots the lady cop steals a cop car and uh as he's driving there's a they're playing the voiceover of nick cage saying gotta be samurais gotta be samurais and they're repeating it and it's to a beat and it's like, gotta be samurais, gotta be samurais, gotta be samurais, gotta be samurais. You should try and find that and cut it in. Yeah, I think if you I'll, can. I think I like my version better. Okay. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'll find it. But I respect that. So Diesel dies. Nick Cage gets arrested by a couple of cops who decide to not take him in, but rather just beat the crap out of him, tie him to the back of the cop car, and drag him around, which yeah. is really vicious looking. It's yeah. obviously a stunt double, but I guess he somehow gets set free? Yeah, they don't show that. No. But we just see Nick Cage walking up. To an old couple leaving a diner. Yeah. And the couple turn out to be like a reverend and his wife, and he like steals a gun from them, has a gun on them, and they're driving along, and he like he's doing his Humphrey Bogart voice the whole time. It, it's so annoying. It's really annoying. <laughs> it's really bad acting. <laughs> and so they end up switching seats. It's like he, a she. Yeah, see, we're gonna make a left over here. See, uh, you gotta just sit in the back while I drive. But it's mixed see? with Nicholas Cage, so it's a little bit. You got like any this. music that we can put on? Are you got any music? And he's a reverend. He's like, I've got spiritual music. I like all that. I like that spiritual music. (laughs) (laughs) So the cops pull him over and Nick Cage, instead of just putting his arms up, knowing that there's this super kind old couple in the car, he starts firing at the cops. Cops start firing at him. Nick Cage dies. The old couple dies. And then big letters just flash up on the screen. The end. end. (laughs) Movie. Done. Super weird. Yeah, it was was really... It was really entertaining until, well, even the end was entertaining, but like, I don't know. I thought that the plot was fine until the end. The end, it made no sense that Nick would have broken free from the cops. Yeah. And then why wouldn't, like, why didn't they show that? Right. Yeah. Is he already dead? Is this in his imagination? Is this someone's imagination? Yeah. it, It really did feel like it was, because the movie opens up on Willem Dafoe, so when you start the movie that way it feels like it's willem defoe's movie but then they he spend, dies like three quarters through yeah and they spend a, probably about an equal amount of time on each of these three criminals yes but i feel like they spend more time developing willem defoe and diesel's characters than they do developing nick's character yeah and like you just hear you know nick 
telling that prostitute about his life story whereas you yeah. see the other two's life story yeah unfold i don't mm. know weird i don't know why he picked that character that was like definitely the least interesting of the three well i think that's probably why yeah. he was like i want to challenge or whatever you said ch- earlier yeah. yeah i mean that's uh, yeah it's not challenging no and i think this movie it benefits from looking really interesting but like you said the plot is just kind of oh, fine if they got a normal set of editors to like not normal a seasoned set of en- of yeah, editors to yeah. work on this it wouldn't be nearly as interesting yeah because i think y- that like the weird choices that this group of like amateur yeah <laughs> filmmakers chose made made this more interesting than it really was yeah, I completely agree. Like, you get a seasoned vet who's just on autopilot yeah. doing this movie that was made for $2 million that you know is not really going to see the light of day very much. Shot in 23 days. Shot in 23 days. You're like, I'll edit it the best I can, but I'm not really going to worry about it. I'm not going to, like, risk my career on this mm-hmm. movie by doing something weird. Whereas people who are like, I'll risk my career. It hasn't even started yet, you know? Right. So I think that's sort of the benefit. When we first started watching the movie, we thought it was Mick G. So if you've seen the the babysitter on Netflix, it's very similar to that. It's got a really similar feel. So yeah, this movie was good, not great. Uh, bad, not horrible. Somewhere in between. 50, 50%, 50% is exactly. really fair for it. So we're going to go through some Nick Cage awards, unless you've got any other closing thoughts. No. Do you think that this is a redemption on dying in the light. So I was going to ask you something similar when we got to the rankings because I don't think that this movie is that much better, if better than dying so of the either. light. I think it's just edited in a more interesting way. Yeah. And that's, I, I'm, but that's like the whole point though, right? That was the yeah. point. It was that he didn't get to edit dying in the light in the way that he wanted to edit it. So he's just going to do whatever he fucking wants with this one. So, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they were successful in that respect. He never said anything about the plot of dying in the light, you know, not being good. It was just the editing choices that they made. Yeah. And then same with this one. It's like, well, he doesn't care about the plot because he even said he's like, I don't know who this, you know, novel novelist right. is who wrote this book. I don't really care about this script i just want to be able to fucking edit this movie in a cool way and get my young dudes who just graduated (laughs) from nyu to to make this movie from cleveland university yeah from uh case western is that what's it yeah Yeah. that's funny yeah no i think you're completely right um of course i (laughs) i am just now remembering the things that happened in dying of the light particularly ruby tuesdays oh my god (laughs) And maybe Dying of the Light wasn't better than this. But we'll talk about that in a moment, I'm I sure. Love that scene. All right, let's do let's go through the order here. Let's <laughs> let's go through the Nick Cage Awards. First is Best Supporting Actor. Is it Willem it's Dafoe? Willem Dafoe. Or is it CMC? No, it's Willem Dafoe. Or is Dafoe. it Paul Schrader? Steve, it's Willem Dafoe. It's Willem Dafoe. We can't even joke about that. All right. He's all very right. good in this. Best dressed. You've got a few options. You've got the sexy suit in the beginning. You've mm-hmm. got the cop uh uniform you've got the sunglasses indoors i think because you mentioned it and you seemed excited about it well i didn't feel strongly about any of his uh costume choices so we'll give it to hungover sunglasses indoors fair enough all right i like that worst nick cage scene is it the ending in the car with the old couple probably no that was pretty weird. Like, he made weird choices, so I don't want to say it was the worst. Probably the worst scene was the scene that it was five seconds of them just staring at each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a terrible scene. 
<laughs> I can't believe I forgot about that one. I made such a big stink about you the did. awkward silence. <laughs> you were personally offended by it. I was, by Regina George. Um, best Nick Cage scene. This is a tough one, I think, because I, I, really, I can't think of many that stand out. I mean, the hotel room. He's not really, because you can't no. hear him. There's, there's music going on over top of the hotel room scene. Is it with him and the baby's mother? Yeah, I think that's going to win best scream. Right, so, so I'd like that's, to give the scene to something else. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's a particularly great scene. No. Is it like at the strip club? Oh, no. Well, let's give it to like the montage of them you know, like play fighting in the hotel room and like pouring ketchup, the ketchup and, mustard and mustard all over each other. <laughs> okay. There's like a few cuts of that. They yeah, sh- yeah. They yeah. showed that multiple times and Nick was wearing like no shirt, but like his fake cop hat on and like uh, doing a rodeo like okay. lasso or something. If you will, remember that. Will that also win best dressed? Is Nicolas Cage covered in mustard wearing a oh, cop hat? Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> All right, all right, good. I'm glad we revisited that. Okay, so that's a good scene. So it's that hotel room with all the quick cuts and the weird music and the weird filters. Yeah, it's like a montage of them just like being goofy, having fun. (laughs) Yeah. They probably had fun filming that. Oh, for sure. Uh, Best scream. So I asked for 10,000 and got us nine or (laughs) shut the fuck up, man. Shut the fuck up, man. I think that's an easy one. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, our last Nick Cage award for this movie is the most nouveau shamanic moment. We mentioned it earlier. Nick Cage's own acting style is called nouveau shamanism, nouveau shamanic. What I'll say either that? the last scene when he does that voice the whole time mm-hmm. or when he kisses the nanny. Ooh, that's good. The other thing I was going to say, too, is when he does the it'll blow your tits off or whatever oh, he yeah. says, uh-huh. when he wipes his face kind of deal. What does he say? Yeah. Or it'll take your tits off. <laughs> it'll take your tits off. It'll take your tits off or when he kisses the nanny. Or the last scene. Yeah, the last scene might have been in the script because... That's true. That's true. That doesn't mean it's not new shamanic. That's but... true. That is also true. Your gut was the nanny. But that's... that's I don't think that's new shamanic. Hmm. There's no shaman associated with kissing a nanny. <laughs> <laughs> is there? I don't know. <laughs> not, not typically. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go with it'll take your tits off. Okay, and he does that really weird hand motion. <laughs> All right, fantastic. <laughs> So I think that's going to do it. And now for an interesting question. Where are we ranking this one, Han? I mean, it had a 50%. We said that we were indifferent about it. So I think it should go somewhere in the middle. But I also think about the fact that he's not super, quote unquote, cagey in this movie. So Mm -hmm. if there's a movie in the middle that was cagier, then I think that this should not be ranked as low as that. Okay. So let me see here. So that this movie is number 76. So number 30, or I'm sorry, 72? No, 76. Yeah, go to like 40. 38, 40. 40 is Sonny. He's in one scene, he's he directed so, it. so crazy in that though. Yeah, he's in one scene and he did direct it and he is a weirdo in that okay, scene. Okay, 41. Moonstruck. Oh, I lost my yeah, hat. 42. Stop. Dolan. <laughs> I think that that's well what's 43 the sorcerer's apprentice oh, no. I haven't even thought of that movie in ages since we watched 44? it a few weeks ago <laughs> g-force oh my god he's he's kind of cagey in that <laughs> he does this voice he does the peggy sue voice yeah 45 <laughs> guarding tess okay so I think it's 
somewhere in that, like definitely before guarding tests. Okay. And after Moonstruck. And after and Moonstruck. I'll let you choose. You're gonna let me if choose. If it goes in front of stolen the sorcerer or the sorcerer's apprentice. apprentice. Uh, see, that's tough because I think I liked the sorcerer's apprentice more, but I don't remember anything about stolen. <laughs> But no. we put Stolen above the Sorcerer's Apprentice, so we must have liked that one more. I don't think we liked it. We probably just—he was probably just cagier. Yeah, I guess so. Our, I he had did a lot of screaming in that one. I really don't remember. Oh my god, I'm losing it. All right, let's put it um, behind the Sorcerer's Apprentice in front of G Force. I think so. Okay, I think that fine. makes sense. <laughs> All right, so that's gonna do it. I think we put Dying of the Light. Yeah, Dying of the Light is way above that. Dying of the Light is at 28. So there you go. So maybe the other editor. Dying of the Light. Yeah, there was that. So there was a lot of weirdness in the beginning of that movie. But by the end of that movie, I remember my heart pounding at that final scene. It was mm-hmm. really tense. Mm-hmm. So there was some and things he, to like. he played like an interesting character in that. He's never played someone with like Alzheimer's before. Right, or, or, or whatever dementia. it was. Yeah, yeah, CTE or something like mm-hmm. that. So yeah yeah um whereas he's played a criminal before who's stolen a baby he did it (laughs) he did it in raising arizona and he did it much better than he did in this yeah that's that's true (laughs) all right han i think that's gonna do it next week we are watching the first movie in a while that i've actually heard of snowden snowden so that's joseph gordon levitt doing the snowden movie edward edgar edgar ed eddie eddie boy Chris. <laughs> Chris Snowden. Uh, Chris Michael Cook, comma, Snowden. <laughs> or in parentheses, Snowden. That's what people call him. In high school. In high school. In he, the yearbook. He was CMC slash Snowden. That's you what people call him. went to Cleveland them. Central. Christ, this makes no sense. I am losing it. I'm losing it. I'm the one who's like not doing well. <laughs> you're, you're like, my stomach's been hurting all day. And... I can't come up with words. I also can't come up with words today. So Snowden next week. Anything else you'd like to add before we get out of here? No, sorry. All right, let's get out of here. And remember, we will always be with you through Nick and Finn. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Now, freak